That's a groovy button. What does it say? Wait, wait, what is it, boy? What are you trying to tell me? Timmy's caught in the well again? Nez. 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 Nezly quick. Nezly products. You want chocolate milk? Papa. Nez. Here. Today. Are you saying Are you saying we have an exclusive interview with Mike Nesmith here on this very podcast today? Yes. Well, now that I've managed to stop hyperventilating and calm down a little bit, we welcome you to episode 14 of the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast. I am Al Little Red Rider Williams. And this is Al Propinquity Bigley. Yes, and what we what you heard in the teaser is true. This is a very special episode of the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast. And you know, Al, when we started this a little over a year ago, we had one real big dream, right? Right, to locate the person that still owns the Mr. Schneider dummy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've forgotten about that one. but And don't forget, we're also trying to locate the current whereabouts of the monkeys, Paul, to have that on the show. <laughs> that's what you very, mean, right? Very, uh, kind of, sort of, but not really. So if you'll pardon the pun, we take a giant step in that direction today. As you know, uh, for those of you that are going to be in California uh, the last two weeks of January... You have four opportunities to see something extremely special, we think. And that is a celebration of the music of the First National Band, or as I was, was corrected earlier, the First National Band Redux. So, uh, through the 20, from the 21st to the 28th, we've got four locations that are, well, there's five actually, but one sold out. But uh, Michael Nesmith is going on the road uh, with uh, the First National Band Redux to celebrate the great music of... Uh, loose salute magnetic uh, magnetic south loose salute Nevada fighter tantamount to treason. I think I had some Redux crackers earlier with my soup. No, that's actually that's actually acid redu- Redux. Oh, that too. I got that after about an hour after I finished. So, yes. Um, so, how are you doing? By the way, it's been a while since we've gotten together. I'm good. Just a little acid reflux right now. Now that you mention it. <laughs> uh, coming up, uh, we will be talking with uh, the one and only Michael Nesmith. We will also be talking with uh, two members of the First National Band Redux, uh, Christian Nesmith and Circe Link, who will be playing in the band with him. So I'm excited about that. And if you don't know who those two are, turn in your official Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast button immediately. Wait, that's the other podcast that has the buttons, right? That's right, yeah. Well, then never mind. (laughs) Well, we're excited. Uh, This is going to be uh, a, a big thing now. One of the reasons that we wanted to do this is because there are a couple of shows. The The big show for me, The Troubadour, on the 25th is already sold out, which is going to be awesome. And you'll hear Nez talk about that in a little bit. But tell everybody else uh, what the other shows that they've got uh, coming up. Well, they have a Sunday show, January 21st, at Pappy and Harriet's in Pioneer Town. That's a lot of peas. Another show, Tuesday, January 23rd, at the Coach House in San Juan Capistrano. You can get there before the Swallows come back. Have some Capistrano with my super old. <laughs> Friday, January 26th, at the Rio Theater in Santa Cruz. And tickets are still available for that, so you will hear me saying that an awful lot. Go to VideoRanch.com. If you want a chance to see Nez and you, you want good seats, the Rio Theater is one of the places to be. Rio. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sunday, January 28th. 
at the castle in San Francisco. Now this is the really cool one and there are a lot of tickets still available for this show. So again, go back to videoranch.com. You can get click on there. They'll have ticket information where you can get it because there's a very special guest at that particular show, isn't there? I know nothing. I know nothing about that. You don't? No, I know nothing. I thought you... Oh, okay. Well, Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie, who is... I beg your pardon. Yes, right. Wrote your favorite song on Good Times? You don't mean... Me and Magdalena. That's right. That's right. And uh, you'll hear Nez talk about that coming up in the interview. That's going to be very exciting. So right now, the two best venues, that, if you want tickets, and Jody's talked about this in the past, if you're able to do it, you got to take advantage of these situations because you don't know how much longer they're going to be able to do this. And I'll tell you right now, if you guys are expecting Nez to be able to parlay this into uh, other shows around the country, the time to step up is now because we need, uh, if we want this, we got to make this happen. So, but it, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, Video Ranch was kind enough to put out a list of the music. And for those of you that have never listened to Nez solo stuff, you're missing an awful lot. Sadly, there's one more date, but it's sold out. And that's January 25th, Thursday, at the Troubadour in West Hollywood. And, of course, that has a very important mm-hmm. place in Monkey's history and Mike Nesmith history, as we all know. And also coming up later on, uh, our new podcast partner, Jody Ritson, will join us to give us an update on what's going on and uh, everything else. So um, one little thing before we go. I guess I'm going to have to get your opinion on this. Uh, since it's now, since they finally delivered it, what do you think of the new More of the Monkeys uh, box set? It's fabulous. Um, things, Marvelous. Things I didn't know existed now exist for us to enjoy. Um, the very best thing, worth price of admission, is the studio banter during the vocal overdub sessions for Mary Mary. That's all I'll say, folks. You heard it here first. Worth the price of admission alone. Absolutely. So wait, that alone is worth price of admission. Yes, something along that line. But it's funny how now people are clamoring for a headquarters and a pack J. So, and we'll get them in due time. We'll see what he has up his sleeve there. So, but um, enough of this. You know, this is this is one of the seminal moments for you and me. I beg your pardon. Can we say that word on the yes, podcast? Yes, we can. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I do. Apo- I'm going to let everybody know up front. I apologize. You're going to hear me take control of the interview because Al couldn't get the mic working properly on him. and I'm still trying as we speak. That's right. So, But uh, this is our interview with Michael Nesmith. Um, we've taken it upon ourselves with Jody to be the uh, trumpeters for this tour to try to, to pick up ticket sales, and that's one of the reasons why we uh, wanted to have you on. Oh, great. Well, remember, it's FNB Redux, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, John Ware is not joining i asked him of course first first of all he said he just he didn't have it in his heart to go out on tour anymore so or maybe it wasn't his heart maybe just he just didn't want to do it somewhere in his mind but anyway he's not he's not part of the mix Mm -hmm. so it's just me and the uh, the redux team i love it uh the uh the guy that's taken red's place is uh pete finney uh i had him out on uh, mom tour Mm -hmm. movies at the mind tour and uh he he is a old time, uh, not not that he's old, but he's a long time Red aficionado. So he'd studied Red's work. He knew Red. He worked with Red, and he cur- uh, Pete curated the First National Band um, uh, Museum display at the Country Music Hall of Fame. That's cool. So he knew all about that stuff. He knows all about Red and everything. And then the rest of the band is 
all new people. Uh, Jim Cox is playing keys. My sons, Jonathan and Christian, are playing guitars and keys and different things various. And uh, drummer is a guy named Christopher Alice, and uh, bass is Jason Chesney. No relation to Kenny Chesney, just <laughs> Jason Chesney. Uh, <clears throat> there's some background singers, uh, Cersei and uh, Amy, and uh, then uh, let's see, that's it. That, and then me, <laughs> me and Pete. So that's it. I don't know why that made me laugh, but it did. And uh, uh, that's the Redux. That's the reconstituted First National Band. And everybody dove into the material and seemed to like it. Pete said, when I called and asked if he wanted to do it, he said he'd been waiting a lifetime for the call and that uh, he really is excited about doing it. And everybody that I asked if they wanted to come, they all just jumped and said, yes, this is music we've, all, we've wanted to play since the first time we heard it. So that's really encouraging. So how did this all come together? I mean, whose idea was it? Well, the real answer to that is I don't know. Somebody asked me that question yesterday, and that was the answer. I really can't remember I asked my assistant if, if she remembered, and she said no. She was around for it, but she didn't remember it either. She she sort of recalls that the agents and Andrew Sandoval, the guy who uh, sometimes produces Monkey's tours, mm-hmm. uh, had were had called up and said, "We've got there's a groundswell out there. People chattering about hearing that the per- possibilities of a national band tour might come back and." Is that true? And I said, well, it's not impo- It's not true, but it's not impossible. So then I started calling around. First people I called were my kids. I called Jonathan and Christian, and I said, you guys want to come play First National Band? They said, sure. And I said, you know anybody else that does? And they said, sure. So that put together the bulk of it. The hardest hardest uh, replacement, really, was Red. Absolutely. You know, Red was just sweet, generous, and, and also just out in, out in the zone. So that is somebody who sort of shared that zone. Pete had been on the road with me, uh, and I, I knew his work, and I knew him, and that just seemed like a really easy fit. He was thrilled to do it. So, so it all felt it all fell in place. And the agents and guys called up and said, "Well, we said we said you'd be at the Troubadour, and it sold out in you know like 15 minutes." So that had to be encouraging. I know it was very encouraging. And he said. Uh, you know, we could put together like three or four more dates if you want to do it. I said, well, let's look at them. So they did, and I did, and I said, well, let's go try it. You know, they didn't sell out as fast, but they did sell a lot of tickets right off the bat. So that was, you know, a little bit of impetus there. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's that's part of the reason why we're on board now. We're going to do our best to help uh, get this out there. And Jody always likes to say, you know, if you have the t- if you have the money, this is you know you got to do these. You you've got to jump on these opportunities when necessary because we don't know how much longer they're going to be and you know this is as a fan of both the group work and your solo work this is this is really encouraging because i loved the older stuff i really did very good very good cool so talk to me a little bit about this is the first time i know you i know christian went out on the road with with you and mickey and peter but what's it like playing with christian and jonathan together i think this is the first time they've ever played together in a group well, for me, it's a uh, it's it's great. You know, they're both master class musicians, and uh, they uh, both can really sort of hit anything we swing at. So that's all really encouraging. I'm used to playing with guys that play like that, playing with session men over the years, mm-hmm. and and so uh, it, it it all was a real natural fit. They of course grew up with the music, and uh, they know it really well. And 
we did a full rehearsal the other night where I just wanted to listen to the mix because mm -hmm. I've got a really good front of house mixers to make sure that it sounds good in the crowd. And <clears throat> I wanted to hear how it sounded just listening to it. And I asked Jonathan to take over lead vocal chores and he just jumped in. He knew all the songs, he knew how they went. It was, you know, it was great. So having those two pillars there is, is terrific. And of course, Christian uh, has a whole range of instruments from a double neck to a, to his acoustic stuff. And he, 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 uh, he learned his way through this music when we went out with the Movies of the Mind tour. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody gets along really good. That's uh, that's no no issue. And it's just, uh, I think it's going to be a really good time. Now, you, you brought up the, the Movies of the Mind tour, which was one question I was going to save for later. But since you touched it, I'm gonna, I, I'll bring it up now. I presume you're going to be doing the traditional arrangements of the songs, correct? Like they came from the album? Yeah, for a, for a national band? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. There's no no real changes. We're, we're pulling it more or less right off the record. Now, keep in mind, a lot of those records were, you know, just made up on the spot. And what Brad was, <laughs> what, what Brad was making up was just completely cosmic, you know, uh, boundary-dissolving kind of solos and licks and riffs and so forth. So I don't think Pete's going to try to duplicate those. He's He's got some of the uh, solos duplicated, and he's got other stuff. But then there's room in this national band conceit for a lot of uh, just vamping and riffing and uh, playing stuff that you know comes up on the fly. The structures of the song are the same. It's going to be like the records. Mm -hmm. I, I published uh, on a, a, a Facebook page, or I'm not sure how they put it up, but uh, on the Facebook page, the set list. Yeah, Video Ranch did it, yeah. Oh, cool. And so <clears throat> that's it. I mean, you know, it's it's like what you're going to hear, if you come in to hear the National Band, you're going to hear those uh, a, a nice sampling of those first four albums, first and second National Band, mm -hmm. and a couple of dips in the later stuff, like I'm planning on playing Rays. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm planning on playing Wax Minute, but, you know, a few <laughs> of those things that uh, are going to be um, – um, less familiar, but really a lot of fun to hear and play. Well, I was looking at the list, and and what makes me, what make, gets me excited, Calico Girlfriend, uh, Nine so, Times Blue, which is which is one of I think everybody's favorite one of your solo, that that kind of bridged the the group and and the first national band Redux, Crippled Lion, which was always one of my favorites. So, you know, the, when I discovered it on uh, Missing Links Two, I just fell in love with it. But you know, Little Red Rider, which is I'm, I'll divert diverse for just a second i got a brand new car this year that happens to be red and that is the nickname of it and that's the going on the license plate is little red rider so oh perfect <laughs> <laughs> but i mean you know mama nantucket uh the fact that you're going to do some of shelly's blues which is an amazing song um silver moon yeah and, and i see that you're going to include thanks for the ride i will be interested to hear how pete manages to or uh, tries to equal red on the on the work on that song I can tell you from the rehearsals, he's he's dead on. Uh, he decided to play Red's uh, solos and for, for that particular song because they were just so celestial, and uh, it's it it sounds fantastic. It's a uh, it's Pete and Christian and Jonathan all playing guitars together, wow. uh, duplicating those uh, incredible crescendos and falls and waterfalls that uh, Red put in the uh, the solo section. So it sounds fantastic. 
Was there any of the the songs that are on this list? Were there any ones that it, you, you've you've looked at recently and just said, you know, this really is better than I thought it was when I first did it? Um, yeah, a couple of them. Uh, we're going to sing Tango Amor, mm-hmm. which is uh, half Latin and half English, but it's also just a monster to play. It's mm-hmm. really really hard, uh, and you know, to my good fortune, the band can play it. So now the question is, uh, is it, uh, am I going to be able to sing it <laughs> and, and pull off the, uh, pull off the Spanish language part of it? And so far, so good. So far, it's, you know, it, it sounds like broken Spanish, which of course is what it is, but so far, so good. And when, when it pops off the stage, there's so much uh, energy to it. It's just uh, like, it's like a whole new song. So that's Super. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Nevada, that's fighter sounds, Nevada fighter sounds really good too. Excellent, excellent. Um, so tell me, at your uh, at this point in your life, how are you? How have you been preparing for this tour? I know this is. I know it's only five dates, but um, you, Jody says you've been working out a lot. And are you prepping for this tour different than say for movies of the mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, quite a bit different. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing a lot of physical exercise, um, and. Uh, you know, standing up there and being the focal point of it and so forth is, is a lot like movies of the mind. But in an odd way, the national band material is so much more uh, cosmic and so much more intricate mm-hmm. than the movies tour and the movie songs. So there's a level of uh, mental um, rehearsing and... Uh, you know, working working to make it uh, as good as it possibly can be that just involves mental work, you know, remembering things and pronouncing things and doing stuff that's quite a bit different, <clears throat> which means that the time I spend playing the guitar and so forth is about twice the amount of time I spend playing for movies. Excellent. Yeah, and I, I love that tour. By the way, that 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 will be that will be for the second interview we have down the road. So I, I have a very interesting question about that, but that's for later. So, um, so the tour and, and the dates that I've seen. Um, the first one is uh, Pappy and Harriet's in Pioneer Town. Now, I know that you are a big fan of old westerns, like I am. I've got over two hundred and fifty uh, on DVD. So, and you know that they did a lot of they shot a lot of TV shows, the western TV shows there. Is this your first time performing in Pioneer Town, and does that have some sort of a, a, a unique atmosphere for you because of the history there? Well, first of all, no. I, I shot Rio there. shot a big portion of Rio. There. Ah, okay. And also where we shot some of Navajo Trail. Those are called, I think they're called Vasquez Rocks, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Out, out by there. And that's a, that's a long, that's where all the westerns were shot. And because of it, that's why I went over there to shoot Rio and Navajo Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been to Pappy's, mm-hmm. so I don't know anything about that. I, I spent a lot of time crawling around the desert mm-hmm. in the uh, early '70s and early '80s. I did a lot of off-road racing through there. I, I remember that, yeah, yeah. And so, it, you know, I'm I'm real familiar with the territory. I love the territory up in there. I, I'm going to be real interesting to see, interested to see what Pappy's is like. Mm-hmm. I understand it has a very uh, a very rich history uh, of of great acts performing there. So you're just going to take it to the next level. I know this. So yeah, well, that's one of the reasons I was interested. You know, uh, uh, somebody said, you know, you, you can really only get in there with by invitation. You don't get to just 
you know, book a book it as a venue. So that was, you know, alluring. And and uh, uh, when they said, yeah, we'd love to have you, I was thrilled. So it's 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 going to be a nice little badge. Uh, there was some contemplation about should we do it because it it crunches the tour up. You know, there's only five dates, mm-hmm. so and it crunches two of the dates right back to back. The the one from the true to uh, the one in Santa Cruz at the Rio. And uh, that's that's always a tough, you know, traveling day of show is always kind of tough. But I think these five are just, just perfect. I'm really looking forward to the Chapel Show. That's a great venue, and it's got a lot of history there up in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I've invited a lot of my friends from uh, San Francisco, and that's the one that uh, Ben is going to come. Ben Gibbard is going to come play. That was, yeah, that was leading into my next question, because... Uh, when Jody told me this, and Jody told me, uh, we know that that Ben is a big fan of the group, and when he, when I got really excited when I heard that he wanted to come play for you, telling it that his uh, his dad was a huge fan, his dad was the one who introduced you to your music. So, what uh, with the with the history of me and Magdalena, and what does that mean? Because I know he wants to play uh, during the show. Yeah, well, he's going to play six songs. Uh, I said, you know. Here's my set list. Take your pick. Wow. What do you want to play? You can play every song there. You can play a few or you can play one or we can do whatever you want to do it. And he rolled back and he says, well, you know, my dream is to play. Um, I'd love to play these. Uh, and uh, I was really gratified by what he picked. But his absolute first first pick, number one, uh, play at all cost and thrilled to play it is uh, Crippled Lion, which wow. I was so surprised. I had no idea that he was even aware of the song. He said it was one of his all-time favorites, and so there's some other, um, uh, you know, great material that he picked. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. I don't have any idea what it's going to sound like. But, hey, well, he's know. got good taste if he chose Crippled Lion, so like, I'm, I'm dead. that's just me saying, though. Um, I know that's going to be a huge show, and that is the, that is the 20, uh, 28th at the Chapel in San Francisco. Uh, quick plug, uh, go to videoranch.com to get ticket information. There's still seats available. Don't miss this. This is going to, this is the perfect way to end a tour. So that's, uh, I think, um, the big one for me and the one I wish I could be there is going to be at the true because that's so, that holds so much history for you. Is this the one that's probably going to give you the most butterflies and the one that you're, that, that you're looking the most forward to or what? Well, butterflies is maybe not the right word because I'm not the least bit jittery about it. But in terms of its emotional content, uh, somebody said to me the other day, I said, well, you know, it's not that big of a venue. It's only 500 people. And they said, yeah, but it's the right 500 people. And there was something, you know, resonant in that. When I first played there, that was the first time that I'd ever really, as I say in Infinite Tuesday, um, encountered performative art where you change the the scene that you're in by virtue of what you're doing and uh, i know i know that sounds solipsistic in a way or or tautological but it's it's a uh, it's a real thing and when it happens to you as an artist standing on the stage and you realize this is performative this is making this condition that i'm in uh independent of me but because of all of us here then having the right 500 just sends it to another level, makes it, you know, electrifying. And I'm looking forward to see if that might happen again. I think it will because, I mean, to me, that that 
to me, with all due respect to Ben showing up at the castle, this is this would be if you're one of those 500 people. I think this is going to be it, it will be an amazing event. I can only imagine the energy that's going to be there for for you the the, the positive energy the the it being around people that really appreciate the first national band music. Yeah, I'm I'm really I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. I don't know if I've got butterflies, but I sure am looking forward to it. Talking about the the the, the first four albums, um, for somebody that is a big fan of the group but hasn't really taken the time to reach out and and learn more about the FNB, what what can you tell people uh, that they can expect if they listen to these albums if they've never discovered the great music that's on them? Well, first thing is grab the book Infinite Tuesday and read about the origins of it. Uh, it's circled around Johnny Ware and Red Rhodes. They were pushing, or Johnny was pushing to me to go out with a band, him and John Ware, uh, John London, and uh, and talked about who, sh- who who else could we get. And I said, well, you know, my dream is Red Rhodes. And the reason for it is because I'd been watching Red play at the uh, uh, Palomino for a few years while I was in the Monkees. And, uh, you know, I would go in and so I was a bit, I was a celebrity and I was sort of, you know, an anomaly in the club and so forth. Uh, and <clears throat> only after the monkeys were off the air, I could go in and watch Red play and be more or less left alone. Just watch these micro movements of his foot and his steel bar. You know, the joke among steel players is it's not out of tune as long as the bar is moving. And <clears throat> Red you know, his, his, uh, I don't know, it was, I want to, I want to use the word svelte, but there's something about the way Red played the instrument that dissolved boundaries. Uh, the instrument is infinite by design. It doesn't have any edges. You can, you know, play it as, as, as part of the infinity. And um, that's what Red did. And then not long after that, after Johnny asked him if he would join, Red would join the band. And I had these songs laying around that, of course, the monkeys didn't want to have anything to do with. When I say the monkeys, I'm talking about the uh, Brill Building and the corporate and people like who were making the records. Sure. And <clears throat> and uh, so Johnny and John Ware, oh, she, Johnny and John London, they were... Uh, They'd been around for a long time. John London had come out with me from Texas, and mm-hmm. and they knew what was on with this. And uh, so, I, the only the only thing that didn't quite screw together was that Red was a, a kind of an old time player, in addition to being a cosmic player. And by old time, I'm talking about 1940s Hank Williams, 1950s Hank Williams, Hank mm-hmm. Snow, that sort of stuff. Classic country. And, yeah. yeah, and I turned him on. I said, uh, here, have you ever tried cannabis? Try this instead of drinking. And it was just a whole other world for him. <laughs> wow, what is this? This is, you know, my instrument has come to life. <laughs> and I said, I expect it has. He was, now, he couldn't smoke. I think he did smoke tobacco, but he, he uh, cannabis, he choked on it, you know, like a lot of us did. And, and so he wanted to eat it. But, you know, you can't really eat it. He started growing it in his closet. He had 100 plants in his wow. closet. Giant plants. I'm talking about, you know, nine-foot plants, eight-foot. Holy foot smoke. Under grow lights and so forth. This is back in the time when if you got caught with an ounce, you went to prison for life. Yeah. And he had all this in his closet, and he said, you know, I don't, 
I don't like to smoke it. Can you eat it? How can you ingest it? I said, well, a lot of people eat it. And then uh, Dana started baking brownies for him. Mm-hmm. And those, you know, uh, I don't know. Cannabis brownies just are not my cup of tea. It, it blows up the chocolate somehow. Gotcha. And and he said, well, everything goes with peanut butter. How about if we stir it into a jar, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I said, well, try it. Eureka. And so he got him a quart jar of Jif, and he just poured it like a cup and a half of the ground leaves in it, buds and flour, and took a wooden spoon, stirred it up, took out the wooden spoon, and, you know, took a bite of it. <laughs> and he said not only did it taste really good to him, that it just made him high as a kite. Wow. And I took a little bit of it, and I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it as an edible. I didn't really enjoy it much as a smoke. The other thing I loved about it was the high, you know, sure. mm-hmm. the hanging out playing music. But the, uh, but the way Red took to it, that instrument just unfolded in his hands like an orchid. It wow. was became a whole nother space to watch Red Rhodes get high and play that instrument. And everybody who came to it and started to look at it realized, oh, this is another space. I mean, I don't mean to compare him to Hendrix, but he had something of the same thing going on. And <clears throat> so when the things started to come together, I realized this is this is where I step off of the monkeys and onto the national band. This is this is where I can take what I want to do musically next. And we, I put, I got a deal with RCA and made the first album, Magnetic South, that had Joanne on it. Mm-hmm. Joanne got some traction on some top forty airplay stations in the United States, and just about the time it hit the charts, my manager said, "Well, we should probably leave the country." <laughs> I remember, I remember reading that story, and I, and I just had to scratch my head on that one. I'm going, you know. The press conference with Jimi Hendrix was great over there, but yeah, I I, I question that motive. That that was a little bit strange. Yeah, so so there went that, and when I came back, there was a lot of pushback. There was also a lot of people doing it by that time. Mm-hmm. Um, McGuinn and the Birds and uh, the Burritos and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know all those guys were playing, and so now <clears throat> instead of it being original to me and Johnny and John and Red, they thought we were piling on. They thought I was piling on. They didn't realize I'd written these songs five and eight years ago. Sure. And they didn't realize that this was the music of my heart. And so we would got we got a lot of ridicule and a lot of, uh, you know, guys making fun of us. They would laugh at us when we were on stage with them if we were in a review show or something like that. It was very disheartening. I can imagine. And then at a certain point, nobody came anymore. Nobody wanted to see the first national band. So we basically just disbanded. And for me, it was a heartbreaker. I mean, I had the second national band. I think that's one of my great albums. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I say my great albums, I'm always including the musicians in this. Sure. You know, and everybody played wonderfully on it, and I loved it. But you spe- was... you, You're speaking of Tantamount to Treason on that, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Did I say something? No, you, not... you just said second national band. I just was clarifying for those of oh, you, for those people who don't know the difference between the first national band is just the first three albums, and then the Tantamount to Treason was the second national band. Yeah. So from there, I began just to explore more and more of the cosmic energy, the spiritual energy, the spiritual insights of the songs and of the lyrics. And uh, 
then from that came uh, Photon Wing and came uh, Infinite Rider and these kinds of uh, albums that were steering me into the waters of video. Mm -hmm. And so pretty soon, National Band was a memory. And uh, I just thought, well, this is never going to come back and see anything, so I might as well let it sail into the sunset. Mm -hmm. And then Red died in 92, and then uh, John Keeney died around 93 or 4, and John London. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was just me and Johnny, and I figured this would never, you know, this would never happen. Until I got the call from the agents <laughs> Andrew Sandoval mm -hmm. said, let's go do national band stuff. But it had been, it had occupied a period of my creative life from, I'd say, 68 to 78, 79. Mm -hmm. And the beginning of MTV and the beginning of the music video and all that stuff I write about in the book. And it was a, it was a, it was a really fecund and productive decade with songs that uh, I think mark the higher points of my life as a, as a writer and as an artist. So to be able to get out, play them again in a, in a club with some inspired players like I've got who understand it, you know, the people that I was playing with at the time, I mean, the five of us that were playing it, the first national band, mm -hmm. we didn't even know what we were doing. We were, you know, eating, uh, eating cannabis out of a jar of Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> And just playing whatever came to mind. And that's the records that you hear. Mm -hmm. And I, that's one of the reasons I think they're so good. Or they're, so, they're good to me. I, I, I love what, what, what's contained in those records. Absolutely. Well, let me, let me compare something with you real quick. Because one of the things, uh, Al, and, uh, Al got to see you in Atlanta in 91 with um, the, the prelude to the Tropical Campfires tours and then leading up to the Brit Festival show. When you talk about that group, you know, you've got John Jorgensen, you've got Joe Chimay, you've got John Hobbs, you've got Luis Conte, and you've got Red. Was that about as close as you could it was that about as close as you could get to the first national band sound when you were playing stuff like Tomorrow and Me, um, two different roads, all because you were playing a lot of the first national band stuff during that tour. Well, the uh, the precise answer is no, because the guy the, the musicians that you just mentioned besides Red were all first call session guys, mm -hmm. and they were screwed pretty tight. They were screwed down pretty tight. You know, they were all buttoned up. They're miraculous players, and they're going to play what you ask them to play. And I would teach them the songs the same way I taught the national band, which is just sitting there with my guitar singing it to them. And they would jump in, and they would, they would play along, and that's one of the reasons I think Tropical Campfires is so fantastic. But Jorgi is a, you know, he's a concert-trained musician. Um, Shimei plays with Satera out in front of concerts. Mm -hmm. Hobbs was uh, the, you know, uh, instrumentalist of the year for like five or six years in, in Nashville and played with Vince, Vince Gill. And uh, so he was, you know, all very, very tight. Luis Conti, and, and uh, it was, it, you know, is, is one of the great percussionists. But Luis plays with everybody. He plays with everybody, and he's got a, you know, he's got hands like metronomes. So <clears throat> it was very, very tight. The uh, the tropical campfires and the live at the Brit was very, very tight. It, it was, you know, arguably the best band I ever played with. But in terms of just swinging it out there, it never got really airborne like it would when we were all just, you know on heroic doses of cannabis and, and bush 
Bush, Bush Budweiser, mm -hmm. that um, it, it got into some zone that I, you know, I'll, I've never recreated. I don't do drugs anymore yeah. and don't do alcohol at all. And, and well, I never really did, but I don't, you know, I don't smoke. I don't take psychedelics or any of those things. I'm just straight arrow, but mm -hmm. um, I was, I've been down that road. So I know what it feels like when you get into that space. And this space is sui generis. It's not a place that I know of any other musicians that I've ever played with have ever hit. Yeah. Well, as we wrap this up, what's it going to take, that from in your opinion, uh, what uh, do you think that these are the only five dates that we're going to see from the, the, the Redux? Well, I think they may be. I mean, I've got to get a mandate from the public, which I've never had with the national bands. And I don't know that this is going to trigger that. <clears throat> I think it... Uh, Back when it started, it was so oddball to people who were into pop music. I mean, this couldn't have been farther from uh, I am a believer or in some ways it shared some things with Daydream Believer. But with, with, with the monkey stuff and the television music and so forth that surrounded uh, that phenomenon. It also didn't really, um, you know, the burritos weren't on this page. Uh, the birds weren't on this page. Nobody else was really on this page. This was, you know, people call it country rock, which is fair enough, but it's probably psychedelic country rock or psychedelic rock country or something mm -hmm. because you got to dial in the altered states of mind that it was played under, like the uh, Grateful Dead. You know, sure. that makes a big difference to what you hear if you're, if you're, when you're listening to the Grateful Dead or, you know, they're playing Sugar Magnolia. That sounds different because they're all just blown away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I started listening to Red and watching him dissolve the boundaries that existed between finite elements <laughs> on his instrument, that was just another ride, mm -hmm. a completely different ride. And Pete does that. Pete, Pete Finney can do that. Uh, he does it a lot of it by imitating Red, but he also just has his own wings. So uh, I, I think this is. I don't know that this will ever repeat. I don't know this 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 that this will ever pick up a mandate that anybody will ever understand this until maybe long after I'm gone. But you know, hey, what do I know? Mike, I accept that as a personal challenge. So <laughs> you you've heard it everybody. You heard it straight from here, you straight from the mouth. We need a mandate. So we will discuss this in the we'll discuss this later in the podcast. <laughs> Well, so, send the mandate to my agents. I can't do anything with it. Uh, listen, but, I have I have the perfect conduit that our you know Jody's Jody is our new third partner on the show now. Perfect, so perfect, perfect. But um, listen, this has been an absolute thrill. Uh, I've you truly have no idea. Thank you doesn't seem to be enough, not just for the group, but especially the solo work because I will still. You signed, I, I know you won't remember, but we got, uh, I bought the Pacific Arts for set strictly because of Tropical Campfires and for the Live at the Brit, because the Live at the Brit is an amazing performance, but Tropical Campfires was one of my favorite albums, and I'm pretty sure that after you got done signing that CD box, that's why they've cut the, the limit now to five words when you autograph something. <laughs> Oh, did I write? <laughs> did I write an essay? Well, no, no, because I knew it, it, it says to Alan Allen at the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast, and it's like I can see it now. He's getting writer's cramp as he's getting a home companion. <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Alan. It's great, and uh, and you guys are doing a good job. I know that all the monkeys fans appreciate it. I certainly appreciate it as uh, as uh, Mike, and I'll tell you, it's uh, been a great great deal of fun out there is with uh, 
you know, Maz and the First National Band. Well, we hope to be able to talk to you later in the year because we know something else is happening, but we'll save that for another time. Um, Mike yeah. Nesmith, thank you so very much. Hope you enjoyed that exclusive interview. We're over the moon about it. It's uh, Papa Nez himself. And again, don't wait. If you want tickets to those concerts, and of course you want tickets to those concerts, go to Video Ranch right now. Get those tickets. Some shows, as you know, are already sold out. Don't let that happen to you. And remember, it is illegal to mix marijuana with peanut butter. (laughs) Oh, man. So wait, wait, wait. You mean I shouldn't be putting my green pills in the peanut butter? No, that's different. The green pills are not marijuana, are, are not cannabis. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I want them to take me into a whole different place. And that's true. But I, look, I'm already in a different place because of that, man. It, yes. it will be days before I come down out of that. Yes. So. Yeah, a little alone fun fact, Alan is actually broadcasting from the ceiling. I can't see anything but the uh, soles of his feet right now. That's right. And uh, boy, good thing we have a long extension cord on the, uh, on the mics here. 51 it's funny 51 years and then I get to talk to him twice in the span of a year that's pretty damn cool and if you want to hear that earlier interview you have but to refer back to our fabulous eighth episode number eight which is at our fabulous website at all times for your listening pleasure and that website is tpchcmonkeyscast.blogspot.com it's easy for you to say. Well, it stands, of course, for Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion, monkeyscast.blogspot.com. But yes, you can hear Alan's fabulous earlier interview with Mike in all, that episode. All seven minutes of it, yeah. <laughs> Still great. You know what we forgot to ask him? Hmm. Where's the hat? No. Oh, okay. You told me not to ask that. I, yeah, and th- and I'm glad I'm glad you didn't get to say the other thing that we're not supposed to say. But yeah. Oh, I... You shot me that look. But it'll be it'll it'll be have come and gone by the time this episode airs. Well, hopefully it won't be too uh, too much of a wait. So what else have we got to look forward to in this once in a lifetime episode? Coming up in just a little bit, our interview with uh, Christian Nesmith and Circe Link. Christian who? Christian Nesmith. Two outstanding musicians on their own right, but this is given this is a chance for them. You know, they went out and sang back up for uh, Mickey, Mickey, Mike, and Peter, and. Uh, Ness had some very interesting things to say about uh, how Christian uh, Christian and Jonathan really took to the FNB music, which I thought was really cool. Right, and you know there's a uh, bit of monkeys trivia involving Christian, I mean, outside of him being Mike's first son, and somebody that was featured in a lot of the teen magazines back then, along with Phyllis. But what monkeys episode refers to Christian? Directly. I'm sure I'll insert the Jeopardy music beneath. That's uh, all right. I'm sorry. I'll take the zero. I have to, I have to pass on that one. I'm sorry. I'm sure the fans, the many fans listening are shouting it out. It's the fairy tale episode. Oh. During the one minute short interview segment at the end, Mike is asked, how do you think Christian will react to you? In drag singing. Okay, I got it. And Davey replies, same as a Jew, I suppose. suppose. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) What's your son's reaction? Excuse me, I'm so sorry. That didn't make any sense at all. Of course it did. Is what would a Christian's reaction be? Oh, oh, oh. Let me ask you, how did you Much feel like about his how joke kind of, thing? you know, the Indian cigar store Indian? And how. Which is what they were called back then. No letters, please. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll let that go. But yes, he was referred to in an episode in 1967. I still want to know what the, what the Duval is for, because that's his middle name, but I won't ask him that. So. Next interview. Yeah. I'm already preparing my list. Yes. That, and did you ever get your laundry done? Okay, enough. Hey, you stole that one from me.
We are now joined in our conversation over the new FNB Redux tour by two of the members of the band, both of them have uh, great connections to Michael Nesmith. We are pleased to welcome to the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys Podcast family, Christian Nesmith and Circe Link. Guys, welcome to the family. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your initial reaction when? What was your initial reaction, guys, when Nez says, "You guys want to come play FNB stuff with me?" Uh, well, it kind of worked backwards from that, actually, uh-huh. truth be told. Uh, Cersei and I, uh, who are, are, are a couple in, in real couple life. A couple of what? A couple of coconuts in real life. Um, we're up visiting my dad uh, around, I don't know, a couple, two, two and a half months ago. It was just a hang, you know. I hadn't, I hadn't been up to see him in a while, and it was just, hey, we're going to come spend some time. And as we were there, uh, we got on the topic of, uh, of First National Band. Um, and uh, and I don't know if you guys know this, but I did the last three tours with the Monkees when oh, Nez yes. was in it, mm-hmm. and uh, and Cersei did the last tour as well, and uh, and we got to meet a lot of the people that were out there on the road and and uh, some of the the promoters and and what have you, and uh, and it they always express an interest in Nez doing that that particular body of work. And so as we're sitting around up at his house, um, we, we all just kind of, oh, by the way, is this a, is this a family show? Yes, it is. <laughs> no, actually, no, it's just a monkey's family show, but you, yeah, we, have been, we have been known to let loose with, a, uh, uh, with an expletive or two every now and then. And trust me, you can say whatever you want, Christian, because I lean to the left as far as anybody else goes. So I've got control of the beeper. I just wanted to make sure I didn't trip over myself. Anyway, we're sitting up there, and I said, man, you should do this stuff. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is what the fans want. This is what the promoters want, uh, and and I think it would be really fun to play this. And now, the, actually, it was Cersei, honey, that really pushed this uh, pushed this forward. And uh, and and he's like, I think because I'm not a family member, sometimes people feel more comfortable saying things to me. So you know, <laughs> hanging backstage, people are like, "When is he going to do First National Band? That that's the music of my." Well, College you, years. You are a family member, but well, yes. well, you know what I mean. I'm not an Esmet, so I think people feel a little bit more comfortable just saying, "Hey, if you get a chance to talk to Nez, you should tell him that that first national band stuff changed my life. That's why I'm a bass player, or that's why I'm a guitar player, or that's why I'm a yeah." And and I really took all that to heart when I was not only on the Monkeys tour, but when I was backstage on the first two Monkeys tour that Christian was in, I got I got to meet a lot of people, and we. We heard that feedback from so many, so when the opportunity arose, you know, we jumped on it. We said, hey, man, you should do this music. It is it is your legacy. The Monkees is lovely. It's fun stuff. It's written by amazing people, Nez included. But this is the stuff that, that where he pushed the envelope uh, intellectually and musically, and I just think it's his legacy, and I'm, I'm stoked, man. I think it's going to be great. So the end of the story is that uh, we uh, – she, she... – he said, "You should really do this." We, you know, and I said, "And and you know, and I got the guys, you know, I, I got the players. Let's go out and take those players out." And he walked from the from the kitchen counter over to the couch, sat down, looked at me, and said, "Okay, put it together." Woo-hoo! And I was like, "Really? <laughs> uh, okay, I will." And so I got on I got on the horn. I called uh, I called uh, Cersei and I's regular drummer and bass player. Uh, uh, Christopher Alice and Jason Chesney and said, will you guys come do it? And they said, ugh, in a second. 
and uh, and then we were able to get Pete Finney in the band and uh, and my brother on board, and we also have a, a gal that I worked with a, a while back named Amy Spear, who's a fantastic singer, and uh, and uh, and it just has turned into this really quite incredible band. Uh, um, but it's the nicest thing about it is that I'm getting to getting to work with Pop on his uh, his you know his. As Cersei said, uh, his legacy, the stuff I think that had the most impact for uh, Nez fans specifically. So uh, it's really, really fun. Absolutely. There you go. That's that story. So what um, what is it about the FNB? Uh, Nez said that you picked it up early. How how early in in uh, did you pick up? Uh, uh, you, you discover it and just let it, did it in, impact you right away growing up? Well, me uh, impact. It was a part of my family, mm -hmm. you know. I heard that stuff the, the moment it came out, and so that would be from five years old and on. Did you uh -huh. hear him writing any of it? Probably, you know, sitting around with a guitar, just strumming along. I don't, I don't specifically remember that, but I certainly remember the release of the albums. Uh, what kind of impact it had on me as, as a musician was less than that, only because as fathers and sons tend to do i diverged and followed my own path and and, and really followed a learning how to become a hard rock guitar player and, and kind of chasing that that bird down but i've been a professional musician all my life and i've got a lot of styles under my belt and uh, so when uh when this wanted to include me in this i i i was you know just thrilled beyond belief it was it, it's 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 it, it it tickles me on many levels only because it's uh, it's it's great music, it's groundbreaking music, it's uh, and and it's an opportunity to uh, play uh, play with my dad, which uh, I had never done before. The Monkees, mm -hmm. I've never stood on the stage with him before. So, and, uh, go ahead. And I was just going to say, this is the first time that I'm aware of that you're performing with Jonathan, correct? I think that's right. I don't know. I don't. Uh, there may well, there's um uh, on one of the records that Christian and I did, our, my oh. second record called "Let's Go Together." There's a track called "Let's mm -hmm. Go Together," and Jason and Jonathan and Christian Nesmiths are yeah. all singing background, but it's not a live performance. Yeah, I, I mean it's live. But and I think Jonathan came up on one or two of the songs over the course of those couple, couple of monkey Monkeys tours, thing. but yeah, not not officially. Too. And Jonathan is bringing so much to the party because he's uh, he's. Uh, while he's not a, a live player as a general rule, his knowledge of music and his knowledge of particularly vocal harmony is quite extensive. And so, for him to to be lending to the party is is wonderful. It's it couldn't be a cooler thing. Now, seriously, let me ask you from a singer standpoint. Now you've sang you've sang the the pop stuff with the Monkees, and now you're into the uh, into the first national band singing. What appeals to you as a singer uh, about the FNB stuff? Gosh, um, well, I love how in Nez's compositions, he's really drawing from those two bags. You know, he's credited with creating that California Americana sound, along with Brito Brothers and, and all those guys. Jackson but, Brown. Jackson Eagles, Brown, yeah, all, that, all those guys. But he really, to me, uh, straddled country and rock. Uh, and so some of the harmony uh, arrangements, particularly with Jonathan and Christian doing these new arrangements, 
there's a real nod to traditional bluegrass, traditional country, and I don't mean modern country. As you listeners will know out there, modern country really isn't so country. You mean Def Leppard with pedal steel guitars? Yeah, thanks, Mutt Lang. Okay. Anyway, uh, vocally, it's it's really exciting because, again, we're pushing the envelope. Some of the arrangements are a little more unique, but with that line of straddling those two genres, it's it's got everything I love about country and then it's got all the stuff that I love about, for instance, like Beach Boys, tight harmony arrangements that are, quite frankly, pretty hard to sing. And uh, when you pull it off, it's it's pretty magical. You guys should know that, uh, you know, Cersei and I, as a team, have uh, 12 titles uh, together. Uh, it's all under her, Cersei Link. Um, but uh, on so many of those records, Cersei has, has built and and performed uh, all those background vocals so uh, particularly on the last two she performed every single vocal uh and she's no stranger to building stacks of harmonies and being in there on the weird part and and uh and so as a singer she's not there isn't I, there's no better choice in my mind for sure oh, thanks honey well in, in talking to Nez, I asked him about uh was there any of the songs that he reconnected with and he brought up tango amor and he was saying what a uh, what a difficult song it is to sing. Uh, he's concerned about being able to go back and forth between the the English and Spanish. But he says that you guys have really rocked it. Talk about uh, that particular song and, and, and learning it. Is, well, is it what? That was the one I pushed hardest for. I said we got to do this song, not only uh, because uh, it, it's just a. It, at its core, uh, the the melody is lovely. It's not, it, it's wonderful that he's singing in Spanish, but the groove and the production of the original recording is so freaking cool. It's uh, it, uh, and I don't know the name of the keyboardist's name who was on the original uh, on the original recording because there were a lot of session cats who came and went on the on those records, but he's in there playing a harpsichord part. That it almost sounds like a sequenced synthesizer. I mean, it sounds so cool and robotic and mechanical, uh, and it's relentless. And he played it live. Um, And I I said, "This, this, we've got to figure out a way to do this. It's so cool." And right from the very beginning, um, I was on a. I I first started uh, trying out the song on on an acoustic guitar, and the blend between. Myself and Christopher and Jason, drums and bass, uh, was instantaneous because they've been playing with Cersei and I for so long, and there are quite a few grooves that are similar to that. So we, the three of us, just drop right into the execution of that song, uh, and then Jonathan fell in behind us, and and uh, and it, you know Nez is being Nez is being nice. He's doing amazing, stepping up and and in rehearsals and and uh, pulling it off so yeah. it's really really cool yeah. also so you know that's one of the things i do like about nas that i think a lot of uh people have strayed from or not or not straight from gotten uh maybe had hesitancy to get into because you want to be authentic with it but he does that latin tinge really well obviously rio uh and tango more i think are songs and about- when he was talking about tango more i was thinking of the brazil from uh tropical campfires as well yeah 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 well that's uh that's uh 
uh, he definitely uh, caught a wave on South American music. Uh, uh, certainly in the eighties and nineties, it just really floated his boat. He, and, and so there's a, there's a deep love of that. Yeah. But I think there's been a love of that, uh, all through his life, uh, having uh, Texas roots and and uh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, sure. There's a, uh, you know, I this never came out, and I don't know if I'm spilling the beans on this, but uh oh, bean alert, bean alerts, bean spilling, <laughs> bean spilling time. <laughs> um, we actually recorded a uh, Spanish version of. Uh, which Rhino has possession of, and wow. uh, I don't know if they actually put that out, but we did a translation, and Mickey and Nez both came in, resang the original Sounds stuff right. that I and I directed that project, and uh, and it's pretty darn cool. <laughs> All right, Rhino, <laughs> so, you heard it. We we need we need that Rhino. So if you're listening, get on this. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, so I don't. Uh, it, there's nothing inauthentic about about Nez's uh, approach to singing in Spanish. It, it feels so right and natural. And it's also neat to see that he is, uh, uh, he's one of those guys who, uh, who, who's driving about 60% uh, uh, in rehearsals. And so you go, hmm, is it, well, yeah, and you're already blown away, but you're going like, okay. And then he steps on stage and it's, it's, uh, it, you know, it's like, oh, I see. Like, okay, long time performer. <laughs> I get where he's coming from. I mean, it does. Do you know he was he was he was an off road racer? You know that, right? He was offered a what? And you know, he was an off road yes. racer. We talked about that as a matter of fact. Yeah, I remember he used to drive off road trucks there in late eighties, early nineties. Right, right. I think right before, because he, right. it, it was funny. He brought up. Um, I talked about the uh, the Pioneer Town show. Uh, at uh, mm-hmm. Patty and uh, Patty and uh, Happy and Harris. Patty and Harris. Thank you. Um, Happy. P A P P. Happy. That's right. Yeah. And because they used to shoot, I, I'm a big B Westerns fan, and they used to shoot a lot of Western TV shows there. And then yeah. he he let me know that he that's where he shot Rio, and I had no idea about that, which was really cool. He did. That's what he I said. He, yeah, he said he shot Rio. He shot shot a lot of the footage for Rio there. So, but yeah, I rem- I remember. I was just going to say that there's kind of some anecdotal stuff about about Nez, uh, and and it crosses over from racing into into performing. Uh, you know, he used to take me pre-running on those races, and I don't know if you know anything about them, but they're like 150 mile loops out in the desert, right? Yeah. And so on the second on the second season that he was doing it, he was using his first season's race truck as the pre-runner, and you go out there and uh, you kind of do the loop. At about you know sixty percent, which of course when you get out there, <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing this thing at, at he says oh I'm only going about half feet, half speed it's like I, what's what are race speeds like and so for just a, just a moment he put his foot down and showed me <laughs> it scared me half to death but. Uh, in his in his preparation as a performer, I believe that he's very much like that. Is that he just kind of gets the lay of the land, and when it's time to grip it and rip it, he certainly does. So I think that I think the uh, I think the listeners are going to or the fan the the, the concert goers are going to be quite quite impressed with what he's about to lay out with this stuff. It, and I will say, 
Ready? Singing everything in all the original keys. Yeah, you got to love that. Um, I've been, we, we've gone over the, the list of songs that Video Ranch released. And outside of Tango Amore, is there one song or two songs each of, that both of you really have just grabbed onto and said, this is mine, I love this song, more than any of them? Yeah, for me, I would say Lady of the Valley. Mm. Um, it's just such a meditation on a simple image I think lyrically, melodically, for me, uh, it just hits such a sweet spot. Um, I, I love the uh, intent of emotion, of beauty. I like that it's holding back, it's reserved, but mm-hmm. it's so emotional. Uh, I think as a songwriter, it's hard to write songs like that. You think, ah, it's easy. You read the lyric, you go, oh, there's not much to it production-wise, but that's because the person doing it knew what not to put in. Yeah. And uh, I think he was masterful with that particular song, and I, I've really fallen in love with it. Yeah, and that that also is uh, uh, has has a a great sort of freak out melodic uh, oh, yeah. uh, 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 instrumental section in it, in the middle of it, uh, as does "Thanks for the Ride." Um, yeah, we get some psychedelic threads running through the whole. Absolutely, set and sure. and it cannot be understated how much. Red Rose was uh, and uh, was part of the creation of this stuff. He was the psychedelic element. <laughs> yes, he really was. Uh, you know, and so him him to put in sort of these freak out sections in some of these songs, uh, and for us to be re- to be able to recreate them uh, and pay homage to him is so cool. And Pete Finney uh, is doing an amazing job. Uh, he's bringing his own own sort of trip to it here and there, but he's so honoring Red's. Uh, uh, Red's legacy, and then the other one that I would like to say is is, is that I'm having a, a blast on is uh, Grand Ennui. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, because we're, we're really rocking it up. Uh, it's a uh, uh, that seems to be the one. That, for the most part, we're being very true to the original recordings and arrangements, but Grand Ennui has been performed in, in nearly every uh, live release. Uh, that he's that yeah he's every done. incarnation right? uh, and it it has it, and every incarnation has been decidedly different mm-hmm. um, and this one is, is uh, swamp lit yeah it's, <laughs> it, it's got a little it, it's got a little swamp literature in it so we're we're majoring <laughs> in swamp lit um, and uh, so that's that's a lot of fun and I get to play play some angry slide guitar and it's yeah it's 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 a lot it, it's if people don't show up to this, they're missing it. I got it. And I'm not just saying that because it's my dad. It's it's like we're having, we're all of us are having such a blast. Well, he, I made him a promise that at the end of the interview that I was going to take this as a personal challenge to get that mandate from the fans to try to expand this tour. So I'm 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 gonna I'm undertaking that uh, undertaking that task as uh, as much as I can. But um, the yeah. other one, one last thing I want to ask you about. Talk about the the um, performing at the Troub, knowing what that has, uh, knowing what that means as far as you know Nez's early life, and for you guys, it's got it's got to be one of the most classic venues you can play at in Hollywood, isn't it? Well, I've actually played there many times on my own, and and. Uh, pretty much every band that I've ever been in uh, over the years. Like I said, I've been a lifelong musician and I've had, and I've lived here in Los Angeles my whole life. So uh, it, it is certainly a, a, a cool place to play. I think that the impact for, for Nez is, is, is certainly peak because it's uh, 
because it's kind of a full circle sort of deal. Uh, you know, this is this is the room that kind of broke it open for him. Uh, he, you know, he where was, the legend began. Where the legend began. He, he he was kind of struggling struggling along in L.A. I'm sure he's told you the story, but I'll tell it again. That you know, struggling along, he's got a you know baby, me, and a, and a young wife, and no job, and it does not know. <laughs> and a what, guitar. And a guitar. <laughs> and he and he walked up and he did four tunes that uh, one night at the Hoot Nanny and brought the house down. Mm -hmm. uh, just him and a guitar, and and people were like. Oh, Holy crap! Who's this guy? Uh, and uh, and it made it it made a huge huge difference uh, about how he felt about playing music and about how people felt about him. Opened doors, got connections. Uh, uh, you know, maybe he, you could even say that uh, uh, inadvertently it, it led to uh, you know getting into the monkeys just by by being in the right place and reading the right newspapers. You know, Absolutely. so. Well, is, I appreciate you guys' time. So we'll wrap it up. I'm going to give you a chance. Christian, I know you have your, the, the brand new CD out. Plug that. And Circe, you're welcome to plug anything going for you guys. So tell me about the new CD first, Christian. Well, I, I just uh, dropped my first solo CD in 15 years, and it's uh, and it's called The Other Side. It's available on uh, on my site, christiannesmith.com, and you'll find a link to go and get it off of uh, bandcamp.com, uh, or you can order, order directly through us, I think. Or that's yeah, it. you can get it on iTunes, iTunes or any yeah. other places. And, uh, and that's really cool. Uh, and before uh, Cersei plugs are probably our latest record that we that we released last year uh it is exciting to know that we are making a huge video push this coming year yeah uh, lots of new videos coming from us so uh yeah that'd be be on the lookout for that and uh and yeah our last release that we did together was called enchanted objects and ordinary things and we put that out in march on my this birthday last march. it's hard to remember when you get more than three titles it's, it's silly <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like wait didn't we just do a record yeah, we have a lot wait. a lot of material yeah. and you can find that CirceLink.com, C-I-R-C-E-L-I-N-K.com. And uh, it's got a lot of California country, mamas and papas association type stuff. Yeah, Ooh. there's it's it's a really fun record. Uh, but as as are all of our titles. So uh, and and you can go and listen to everything on Bandcamp. Oh yeah, and, you can and see if, see if you're digging it. And if you are, we'll send you one signed. And we might see you at the show. Christian and I are known to pop out in the audience and yeah. hug and take pictures because we're big love bugs like that. So mm -hmm. if any of you fans are listening and you see us, stop us for uh, photos and just say hi. We are excited to meet you guys. Absolutely. And I, I love the fact that you guys are consistently Facebook living. I do keep an eye on the fan page. I do keep an eye on both of your pages. So it's really cool. Yeah, keep an eye out for our streaming shows. We try to do once one a month, although we're going to take this month off. Because... Well, I think we might do some guerrilla streaming from mm -hmm. some undisclosed venues uh, or rehearsal <laughs> or locations. Uh, but yeah, keep keep an eye out for that because uh, it is it, those streaming shows are so important to us and and our relationship with the fans. We try to keep them free all the time, and and hopefully that just keeps our connection open to to the people that support us uh, through the goodness of their heart and generosity. So. Christian, this is Al Bigley speaking right now. You and I are actually Facebook Hi. friends, and I find uh, your, your political name's... post your political posts I find very uh, even-handed and sober and concise, and I too also find myself posting on my page about the current uh, political atmosphere and try to stay level-headed and calm, and you're kind of an inspiration in that way. 
Oh, I thank you so much. I, my my main goal for all of this, uh, for all of those political posts, is just to ask people to ask themselves questions. Yes. Um, I don't want to tell, and I, be, uh, you know, if we can, if we can tangent for just a second, I believe in the two party system. I believe in compromise. I believe in negotiation. I believe in, in, uh, you know. Uh, what the right wing wants at the at its core because you know lower taxes and a big military for a gigantic government makes sense i understand that part but i also want to help our needy you right. know i don't think in a, i don't think in a country this rich that anybody should go without medical attention or food or food or or uh, or have yes. the, have any kind of education that they want it's nuts to know that that's there's this much money in this country and not be able to have that and there's got to be a way for for red and blue to make that work without it being team sports it's not about my side wins and your side loses we're all Americans. I mean, how do we how do we fix that? So that's the aliens biggest... need to invade. No, and then we'll unify. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. You but said yes, it all. Thank you. Thank you, Al. I appreciate you for taking note of that. Uh, again, it's it, it is just hopefully for people who have possibly backed a really bad horse uh, for uh, out of uh, a knee jerk. Uh, team spirit reaction and now regretting their ways hopefully they're going to be able to go maybe next time i'm gonna i'm gonna actually do the research so that's what i'm i like to think these things come and go in cycles and they come and go for a reason and maybe we're like you said we'll learn something this time and go you know what we've got to meet in the middle we've got to do something better let's get this out of our system right now if we have to but next time let's do better well, but what was it? What was the thing that just he just won? Uh, oh, uh, the first president in was it seventy-five second years? Second most popular. Right. After, yes, and, but now according yeah, to him, that's fudged numbers, of course. But well, he's the he's the he's the uh, but he's the first president not to win most admired Gallup's man, most admired right. man, most admired man in America in his first year as president, and the person who did win. Is Barack Obama. Yes. You know, let's leave it right there since this is more about okay. uh, the first national band and not current politics, which might completely date this. All that out. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but if you guys ever want to have a political talk show, I'll join. <laughs> hmm, the light bulb's going off over our heads right now. But yeah. thank you guys so much for taking your time for this. And like we said, we're going to push these concerts and let's get a big turnout and hope for more. It is, it is absolutely up to the fans to let the promoters and the and the uh, venue owners know that they want to see this show. Absolutely. If they want to see it, uh, the promoters will pay the price to get us there. So that's what's that. And which what show are we going to see you guys at? Uh, it's kind of hard for us to get from the right coast to the left coast, I'm afraid, but. Sure. Okay. We will be there in spirit. I intend. I intend on getting all three T-shirts from VideoRanch.com so I can show my support that way. I, I plan. I plan to post a lot of. Uh, I, I will be sending a uh, a uh, commercial your way, so to speak, to plug in all the the, the, the T-shirt and the CD deal. I have Great. to. I have to tell you something funny though. I think we are the reason that they have now cut the number maximum number of words that Nez will personalize something to five. Because I think he, I think he got permanent writer's cramp running to Alan Allen at the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast. <laughs> you guys, yeah, well, you, wait, 
check out the group check out the group page check out the group facebook page you'll see what i mean <laughs> okay well well anything that you uh that you put up please tag uh, both cersei and i we'll in, in facebook absolutely guys cersei link christian nesmith thank you so very much for your time have a great tour and we hope to see you around the country because we're gonna make this happen thank Let's you do it. take care guys that was so cool having Christian and Cersei on here. They're a couple of really great people. It was nice to be able to talk to them. And they're both very talented musicians in their own right. And uh, don't forget, uh, Christian's new uh, CD is called The Other Side. If you go to the uh, Cersei and Christian fans, uh, friends home uh, page on Facebook, it'll give you a link to get it. And you ought to check it out because the man is, man's got some mad skills and so does she. She's an amazing singer. Also, they have their own dedicated webpage, which is Cersei Link. Dot com? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. They, they see, they've got one of those those tiny uh, URLs, and, mm-hmm. which we could probably benefit from. Oh, you're kidding. But uh, very uh, tiny and easily memorable. Yeah. Great stuff on their page. Mm-hmm. Anything you want. You can sample albums. You can sample songs, see photos. Mm-hmm. Just if you have any interest whatsoever. And the cool thing about it is they're, bo- they're both very active on Facebook. A lot of Facebook Live, especially there was one earlier in the summer that... Uh, a certain uh, certain relative of Christian showed up. He kind of ambled into the discussion, maybe? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. With his laundry slung over his back? I uh, don't think the laundry was over his shoulder this time, but you could tell it was him. <laughs> and now it's time for that new segment on the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast where we welcome the third member of our podcast team, live and direct from the city of brotherly love, with always all the news that is news across the nation, across the seas, in the supermarket. Uh, that was a street reference, but those of you who don't know what Stevens won't understand what the heck I'm talking about. Don't look, Apple. It was too late. She done looked. We are pleased to welcome back our new buddy and the woman directly responsible for the interviews that you've heard today. And probably responsible for most of the interviews we have coming up in the future. So, Jody, how's it going? Everything is wonderful. I uh, understand you're having a very good day today. Well, I got my Christmas and birthday present all in one shot. <laughs> yeah, we interviewed some guy named Nishwash or something. Yeah. Now tell me something, because I know you are both heroes. Nez is your hero, I know that. But isn't it surreal when you hear his voice? And it's it's almost, it's it's unbelievable, right? Calling my house, especially, yes. and, and and talking to us directly, yeah, mm-hmm. yes. yeah, it's pretty, it's it's surreal, and we're very excited about the F and B. Um, you know, I the set list was released, and I think that this is definitely the show to go to. And then on top of it, Ben Gibbard coming to the um, with the chapel, he's uh, gonna, he's a big monkeys fan. And he actually asked Nez if he could sit in on several songs instead of just doing one song. We talked to him. We talked to him about that. And one of the most interesting things that he said that at the top of Ben's list to do was Crippled Lion, which was one of which is one of my favorites. And he, Nez said it. Nez said that blew him away that he he wanted to do that. So. Isn't that crazy? You know what? I'll, I'll tell you a really quick story because you never know who is a fan and you know I always say like the monkeys is sort of like I compare the monkeys and I know you're very big Trump supporters um but <laughs> whoa 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 you don't know what I just I just got over the bad sushi Jody please no my stomach can't take that whoa. 
the, I, I think I, I was on a, t- a radio show once and I said that monkeys fans remind me of Trump supporters. They're, it's like a secret society of who actually voted for the person. Nobody wants to admit it, but clearly people did. And when I look at when I look at Nez and, and I look at the monkeys and sometimes you'll hear that somebody's a big fan and you're like, get the heck out of here. You, you know, you're like blown away. So I was at the Hollywood show in October when uh, on downtime when Nez and Mickey were performing there and we're at the hotel and I had the opportunity to meet Lou Diamond Phillips. And when the woman was um, in line, she was, you know, segueing the lines, I guess, basically doing what I do at these comic cons. And I made a remark. She asked me why I was in town. And I said, oh, I work with Mickey Dolenz and Michael Nesmith. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm one of the ranchers on Video Ranch. And I said, oh, and then she tells Lou Diamond Phillips she works for Mike Nesmith. He stopped what he was doing. And he's like, are you serious? I'm a huge Michael Nesmith fan. I'm a huge First National Band fan. (laughs) And he started talking to me instead of me being nervous to talk to him. He was more excited about Nez. So, you know, it's really funny how many people out there are just closet case monkey or Michael Nesmith fans. It's a small world after all. Yeah. So. All right, so Jody, uh, we were telling him uh, we were, we talked about this. There are two shows specifically that uh, that people will have a better chance to go see uh, to get tickets for. Which two shows are those? Uh, you want to go to the Rio, and you want to go to the Chapel. Now, the Chapel, I believe, is in San Francisco. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. And the Rio is Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Um, the, the, I'll tell you what, the Ben Gibbard one is going to be a huge show. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, those have some meet and greets that are left also. Those are the ones that you want to be looking out for. They're probably the ones I'm most excited about because you are going to see a different harmony with Ben Gibbard. You're going to hear something that you've never heard before. And I, I just think that that marriage of the two of them and doing me and Magdalena is just going to be unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's going to be a genuine excitement in the room. Those two are, I, I think those are the ones that Nez is most excited about performing at because they are there. You know, I know the Troubadour, that's, that's got some history to it, of course. But I think the Rio and the Chapel are the ones that people really want to go to. They want to push themselves to get to those shows. I mean, Nez is trying to get a tour together for next year, but we don't know if that's going to happen. So I wouldn't wait until next year. You know, I, I was, I was remarking how a lot of our, I'm not putting that on the, the, you know, kibosh on anybody, but you know, as everybody's getting older, we're losing a lot of people, you know, just because that's, that's, that's life. And, mm-hmm. you know, no, we're not getting any younger, you know, we can't take our money with us. So I try to push people and say, don't wait, you know, if he's coming, if, you know, don't wait, get off of your rear ends, go to the shows. Um, but I know he's, it's all he talks about is that show with Ben Gibbard is going to be just phenomenal. And I'm very excited. I know there's going to be some celebrity guests in the audience at some of these shows. Um, so you've got to be on the lookout for that. And, um, 
and also the the mean greets after i mean once again we have a limited edition eight by ten that you're getting autographed by nez you get an item autographed by nez and you're also getting a picture with nez um the oh my god and the the custom outfit that he got made for these shows i mean this is that he's taking this as seriously as a heart attack it that's all i can tell you you oh. mean you mean oh, he wow. may have he may have a new suit that uh, involves tights possibly <laughs> he's got a new a new version nudie suit 2.0 oh holy smoke even i couldn't pull that off no uh-uh. yeah yeah but i i tell you i mean when you know i i'm i've never i've never pretended that i know more about nez than i do as a solo artist and i'm learning with everybody but i'll tell you something um when somebody had said to me that they wanted to wear the nudie suit i thought they were coming in like a leotard that was beige oh, no. so, <laughs> there, there's a whole book i got from my dad years ago of nothing but the nudie uh outfits and i just drooled over it like about uh, 10 years ago yeah and includes stuff he did for the monkeys yeah you know and it's pretty embarrassing i mean i don't ever pretend i'm a trivia buff when it comes to to the monkey stuff you know so it's definitely something that i was uh schooled on very quickly um but there's a whole like theory as to this new outfit there's a whole like reason for it he takes everything very seriously and um and he's taking this very seriously he's very excited and um and the fans are very excited i can't think of a better way to start off 2018 not at all that's right so where can people what's the best way for people to go to find ticket information for these shows jody well i think the best way for you to go and do this is if you go right to nez's site which is videoranch.com and there are two specific, um, we have two specific links on there. One of them is for first national band tour dates and one is for the meet and greets. So that this way, it's very easy. You click on first national band, you can pick from the different dates. The Troubadour is sold out. I know the tickets are limited at the other shows, um, but it's a one and done uh, link. We've made it as easy as possible for those who are not as tech savvy as we are. <laughs> me and tech savvy i don't know Al. Is, is that an oxymoron or <laughs> i went to school with tech savvy <laughs> well jody as always it's great to talk we can't wait to have you back for the next episode and uh, to when we can get to uh, get some more information out there as I, as I told ness i have accepted this as a personal challenge to get these two shows up and get the tickets for the for the rio show and for the the castle show up uh, get sales up there so we're gonna have to do my best well, what I would also suggest, um, because I'm I'm so proud of you guys for how far you've come. What I what I also think um, people should do is I try to send out newsletters as much as possible so I can keep everybody up to date on the different meet and greet opportunities that come our way. So if you want to subscribe, if anybody wants to subscribe to my personal website, it's monkeymeetandgreets.com. It's not monkeys. It's M-O-N-K-E-E, meetandgreets.com. And this way, anything that I know that I'm permitted to share, everybody will know. And many times I do get the jump on things. Um, so, you know, this way 2018 comes and you've got all the monkey news that you need. Absolutely. And, of course, always here on the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Monkeys podcast. Correct, Al? Correct a mundo. 
All right. See you guys. Rock and roll. How about that? And happy early birthday to you. Thank Al. you. I'm very uh, Alan, not Al. Alan's Correct. birthday. Correct. And um, and I'm just I'm very happy that that um, we're starting off the new year with probably the biggest interview that you guys have done so far. Absolutely, Judy. We will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. So I think the point of this episode is, folks, support your local first national band, Redux. Redux? Redux. 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 Thank you. I'm having a little bit of that right now. <laughs> There's that acid Redux again. <coughs> but as we say, uh, ladies and gents and boys and girls and children of all ages, Jody's right on the money. It has to be now because we may... Uh, it, you know, we he could uh, there was an example that was made. He could schedule a U.S. tour and drop dead right before it started or in the middle of it. If you have the capability, go to California. It's the last week or so, last ten days. A Pompeii. A Pompeii. <laughs> now look at me. January. M.D. Somebody write a book. Called somebody Never write a book. Mind. Somebody write the first ten days of the first national band. But uh, <laughs> trouble is not in your set. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I said, "Wait a minute, that was my." I heard my own voice. I go, "Wait a minute, there's an echo in here." Alan, Alan, don't put the green or red pills in the peanut butter. I told That's you. That's true. That's true. So, but if you have the capability of getting to California, please do because, especially uh, like we said, the um, Santa Cruz show and the San Francisco show, especially because it's got Ben Gibbard there. It's going to be an amazing show. I promise you. Um, all, but here's another. There'll be another option up very soon if you can't. Go to California, but you want to be able to do. Keep an eye on on the Facebook page, the group page, and everything. So for a special little promo that uh, Alan's going to do sometime today or tomorrow. Excellent. Anything else we need to? Uh, well, I guess we got to do the legal ease. We have to do the legal ease, yes, sir. Would you like to go first this time? This podcast is done by fans for fans. We have no connection to Mickey Dolan's, Peter Tork, Michael Nesmith, or the estate of the late David Jones, Rhino Records. Rob Roy Fingerhead or Mr. Schneider. That's right. We do this because we love the guys. All of the material used on there reverts to the original copyright owner or the current copyright owner. And uh, until we meet again down the road, uh, we'll, we'll try to increase our presence between now and the next time we meet you. So until then, this is Al Little Red Rider Williams. And this is Al Grand on We Bigly. Reminding you to support the FNB and to save the, the Texas, Texas Prairie, Prairie Chicken. chicken. Get a red ride on